Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... tells us here that the grace of God shown towards them by God produced in them a godly attitude that was expressed through action. Not just people like, oh, we just love the Lord. Great, can you help? No, not like that at all. Their love for God was expressed in the way that they live. Their generosity was an expression of their experience of the gospel. Do you consider yourself to be a generous person? If not, why not? Today, Pastor Jim explains how to see the generosity of God and how it will change you forever and help you to love and be generous. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 with part one of his message entitled, Extravagant Generosity. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 7, but as you abound, some of your versions might say, excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. Somewhere around 1992, a fellow who's quite entertaining if you've seen him on television, no matter what your political views are, a fellow that they refer to as the Ragin' Cajun, James Carville, wrote something, little poster, that has in many ways shaped a lot of American political life, and it was probably there already, but he just put it down with pen and paper. Carville was the campaign strategist for then presidential candidate, Governor Bill Clinton, William Clinton, and in the headquarters to elect the president, to elect the governor, to be president, he hung a sign that said three things. First on the sign, change versus more of the same. I'll skip number two. Number three, don't forget health care. Number two was this, and we'll talk about this a little bit. He wrote, the economy, stupid. So those were the three things he was trying to get the Clinton candidacy to focus on and the people to focus on. And that statement became, it's the economy, stupid. And it has become the basis of many, if not most, campaigns. Although this one, I'm really not sure what it's about at this point in time. It's been well said that people get the leaders they deserve, and that's quite a commentary maybe on the American public, as we don't really have a great thing going right now. As you know, many people vote for the person they think that can help them the most financially. Now, I'm not going to contest that. I'm sure there's a variety of reasons that people have for that, some valid, perhaps not so valid. But one you don't hear often is someone saying, I'm voting for the candidate that can help me practice what Jesus and the apostles taught, which is the title of our message today, Extravagant Generosity. To be extravagant has the idea of being extreme. It has the idea of going beyond what people think is normal. Now, if you're a guest with us here today, you're thinking, oh no, another church that all they talk about is money. 
If you're new here, you're thinking, oh man, I thought I finally found a decent church. I mean, the coffee's great, the people seem reasonably nice, and now here we go. I know it's too good to be true. We're going to have to do the money thing. But the reality is that we're just going through the word of the Lord, and we're taking something out of each chapter and highlighting it, and chapter 8 is all about generosity. (laughs) So you'd have to skip chapter 8 in order to skip this. The Second Corinthians is a letter written to a church that the Apostle Paul had founded in Corinth, which was a city in southern Greece. And we've said before, they're kind of known as the problem child. They're the difficult kid. I guess every family's got one. We always joke, who's the problem child? Who's the favorite child in our house? But, you know, then all of them think they're the favorite child. So that's a good thing, I guess. Why were they a problem child? Well, they had a lot of sin in the church, and they also thought that they were spiritually superior to everybody else. That's not a good mixture, is it? And about a year earlier, or at least the calendar year earlier, they had started a collection at that church for the poor people participating in the church in Jerusalem, but something had happened. They were excited about this collection. They were excited about collecting money for the church in Jerusalem, but their enthusiasm apparently has died out. Any of you want to do something for God and you get all excited about it and it lasts for a little while and then your enthusiasm dies out? And so that happens to all of us. And so what he wants to do is he's not going to guilt them into this, but he's going to show them a way of thinking, a way that all of us can think, so the fire of the Lord burns in our heart continuously. Now, this situation is specific here. It regards the collection for the poor in Jerusalem. And we talked more about that when we did our Through the Bible study in this chapter. But the principles here are not. The apostle is teaching us that generosity and service to the Lord is not some guilt-motivated thing. It is a grace-motivated thing, and it is motivated, it is a response to what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. So now as the letter turns in chapter 8, before it was basically a lot of suffering and serving in the ministry, and just because you're suffering doesn't mean God doesn't like you. Sometimes it actually means that he is working in you, he's pressing you on to continue to serve. And now the letter turns to this collection in Jerusalem, turns to generosity, and he's using some grace-motivated pictures to show them ultimately what is the source of extravagant generosity. And it's not really what is the source, but who is the source of extravagant generosity. So if you're taking notes, there's three points in our outline today. Be greatly encouraged that number one will be much longer than number two and three. So number one, an expression of extravagant generosity. Some people might like the word example, but I don't think it's an example. I think it is an expression of of what God is doing. Verse 1, chapter 8, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, very important word. What does that tell us? It tells us two things. It tells us that he thinks they're Christians, brethren. One of the great things about being a guy, you know, when you're a guy and you're a Christian and you don't know somebody's name, you've met them 18 times, you forget their names, you can sound so cool and so happy. Hey, bro, how are you, man, right? So that's kind of, but so we do. And so he says, moreover, brethren, term of affection, though, too, We make known to you the grace of God. And each week we talk about the grace of God. We try to think of it maybe in a different term. Today, let's think about grace in terms of God's kindness, God's generosity. 
Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. So remember, we just said Corinth is in the south. Macedonia is in the way north of Greece. Now, sort of a competitive thing that goes on between the north and the south, right? Well, in their case, the north people were the more educated people, was a wealthier people, and let's call the north the people who lived up in the sticks. And Jesus was one of those guys. Nazareth was the sticks. Can anything good come out of Nazareth, was said. And so Jesus was one of those people. And you say, What's, what would be the equivalent maybe in our kind of day? I don't want to step on too many toes. Let's, uh, let's talk about those guys on reality TV. Do you ever see the moonshiners on reality TV? You don't watch it? Oh, I think it's so funny. They talk... And they're talking our language, but they have to put subtitles down at the bottom because you can't understand what they're talking about. Do you ever see the guys hunting alligators in the bayou, right? And they pull one out, and one guy's like, "Chewed him, chewed him," right? You can buy those shirts that say C H O O T E M, chewed him, right? And while those guys are talking, there's subtitles on the bottom, and so that's kind of the way they would think of the northern people, this Macedonian people, the area of Macedonia. And he says here about them that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Another version puts it this way, that they overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part towards the church in Jerusalem that was poor. Another version says they overflowed in extravagance in their generosity. So historians tell us that the churches in northern Greece in specifically Philippi, letter of the Philippians, Thessalonica, the letter of First and Second Thessalonians, the church in Berea, the Bereans in Acts were commended because they didn't just believe what they heard. They wanted to go back, study their Bible to see if these things were true. But historians tell us that these churches in the area of northern Greece, the northern of Macedonia, were persecuted and were poor. Maybe they were poor because they were persecuted. Yet, Paul tells us here that the grace of God shown towards them by God produced in them a godly attitude that was expressed through action. Not just people like, oh, we just love the Lord. Great, can you help? No, not like that at all. Their love for God was expressed in the way that they lived. Their generosity was an expression of their experience of the gospel, having trusted in Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sins and eternal life, but not just that one moment in time, but living in light of the gospel, living constantly aware of what God had done for them in the person of Jesus Christ. And so the Apostle Paul tells us that the grace of God was bestowed on these churches. Another version says the grace of God was given to these churches. Now, the verb tense here is very interesting. It has to do with a gift that continues to be given. You know, the gift that keeps on giving? This is what he's talking about in terms of grace. I don't know about you, but that really excites me. That God shined his grace on me and that his grace would continue in my own life. It really excites me for the future of our church as the Holy Spirit gives new grace to us for new seasons of ministry, for new seasons, whatever he has for us to do, whatever he has for us to try and make a difference in the area in which we live. But it also reminds me that continual grace should in some way be continually expressed. God doesn't give us grace just for us. Remember in Jonah, we said to become a cul-de-sac of grace. 
We're not just some dead-end street where people are just running around in circles and going around in circles. We have to take the grace that God gives us. We're not manufacturers of grace. We are distributors. So we take the grace that's given to us, and then we share it with others. And interestingly, that he's going to use the word overflows. So picture this, those of you who are gardeners, maybe you plant a new plant in your garden, and you put the hose on it, and then maybe your phone rings or text goes off or something like that. And then you come back a little while later and you realize not only was that plant watered, but everything in the garden was watered. And this is how much grace God is giving to us. He's giving us more than enough for ourselves so we can share with other people. And this grace can take various forms. So grace is given to be given. Now, who gives out grace? Well, people who are experiencing the grace of God, depending on the Holy Spirit as the source of the grace of God, and then passing it on to other people. The more you give out of God's grace, the more you will experience as God continues to flow his grace through you. Now, in much of 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul's focus, especially up to this point, has been that authentic Christianity is often displayed in difficulty and suffering. And if you've been around for our studies, I hope that you now have that in your arsenal, right? Pull out your guns when the other guy comes and starts to talk those silly ideas into your head. Oh, if you prayed more, you wouldn't have all these problems. Second Corinthians, bro. If you did more of this, God would love you more. Nope, sorry, 2 Corinthians. Will you have all these problems because you don't really love God? No, nope, 2 Corinthians. Authentic Christianity is often displayed in difficulty and suffering by hanging in there, by still following the Lord. That's why verse 2, he tells us that they are in the midst of affliction and poverty. We might say in the midst of tough times, and the grace of God opened their hearts. And after the grace of God opened their hearts, what did the grace of God also open? Their money sacks, right? Their wallets, their checkbooks, their online banking, their text giving, <laughs> whatever it is. Even just sharing a meal with other people, cooking food for other people. God opened their hearts and they opened up to others. Now, let's be honest. For most people, when times get tough, we're in difficult circumstances, what do we do? We pull back. We pull in. And there is a season for that sometimes. I'm not saying that there's not. But in difficult times, they didn't pull in. They didn't pull away from stuff. They started pouring out. How does that happen? It is an awareness of the grace of God. It is confidence in the grace of God. It's quite odd to many of us. I mean, just look at the way he organizes stuff here. He says, in affliction, they overflowed with joy. In affliction, they overflowed with joy. In deep poverty, he says, they overflowed with generosity. Now, many people say this. They say that they will be generous when they have extra time or extra money. How many of you are doing wonderful in the extra time and extra money department, right? <laughs> yes, don't raise those hands too soon, right? Yeah, so that doesn't really happen. And studies show, actually, that the more money one makes, interesting, the Apostle Paul doesn't call it money here. He calls it ministry. He calls it service. 
Studies show that the more you make, the lower the percentage of your giving actually occurs. That's why when Jesus saw the people coming into the temple, putting their money into the offering, many of you know the story of the widow's mite, the proud religious leaders were coming in, putting in lots of money, probably filling out paperwork to have a plaque in their name or something like that. And Jesus, who's really not often amazed by faith, often amazed by a lack of faith, this poor widow comes up and she throws in basically a couple bucks, two pennies, not much. Everybody would be like, why waste counting that? And Jesus, it says that heaven stops. He's like, come here, did you do see that? Jesus said to the apostles, these other guys, a bunch of posers. They put in out of their abundance what they had left over. Was nothing to their giving at all, but this woman put in everything that she had. Here we see an interesting thing in the Macedonian church. I know there's a lot of people out there, we'll talk about in a second, in the prosperity gospel, the health and wealth gospel, and they're telling you that if you give money, you'll get wealthy. That's not what's taught here. What's taught here, the Apostle Paul says, the grace of God did not produce a wealth of money, but it produced a wealth of generosity. It changed their hearts. It proved the authenticity of their faith. You see, they weren't just trusting Jesus for their eternal destiny. They weren't just trusting him for today. They were trusting for him for tomorrow. And each time any of us gives money to the work of the Lord, a big part of what we are saying is this, Lord, I am trusting you with tomorrow. Verse 3, he says, for I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. So he said, I didn't beg them. I wasn't like, oh, if you don't give to this ministry, God's going to close this ministry. Or those poor people in Jerusalem, if you don't give, their kids will be going to bed hungry. There was no thermometer in the hallway reminding everybody just how ungenerous they all were each Sunday Then they had to come into church. No, he didn't, he didn't beg them. And look what verse 4 said. In fact, it was exactly the opposite. He said, imploring us. He said, I didn't beg them for money. They begged us with much urgency that they would receive the gift and the, here's the word we talked about the last two weeks, fellowship of the ministering to the saints, Saints are the people of God in the Bible who have put their trust in Jesus. And not only as we had hoped, some verses say not only as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So again, no urgent pleas, no twisting their arms. And he says here, not only were they willing, but they actually implored us. They actually, another version says, begged us for the privilege to take part in the work of the Lord. It says they participated according to their ability and then beyond their ability. We might say they went above and beyond. Now, if you've been a Christian long enough, you know that there's always a big debate between people. The Old Testament teaches something called the tithe. It's you give 10% of your income, and it is notoriously absent in the New Testament, except for one place in Matthew's gospel. That word is mentioned. And what's, how's it mentioned? Well, 
the religious leaders thought they were all it. And so Jesus, like he often does when we read the Bible, he's got to take a little bit of the wind out of our sails, right? And so he's going to take a little wind out of the sails, a lot of hot air out of the sails of some of the religious leaders. And he says to them this, he says, you know, you're good at the tithing thing. I mean, you give a tenth of your income, even if you go out gardening, you bring a tenth of your tomatoes and your, you know, probably the rotten ones, but uh, you give a tenth of, of everything that you have. But you're not so good at something else that's actually more important, justice and mercy. That, he says, you know, the giving thing you should do, but these other things you have left undone. So how do you equate that to this type of thing here? I think what's going on here, when he says that they gave according to their ability, I think their normal giving, whatever that was, it's not a law anymore. But then he says they went beyond their ability. They voluntarily got on board with the work of the Lord. And I have to commend a number of people in this church for this because we have done three building expansions. We've built a radio station. And in each one of those situations, we would put envelopes in the seat in front of you and we would say, if you would like to be part of that work of the Lord, that you could give money to that, but do that above and beyond what your normal giving would be, because it doesn't do us any good to have a radio station if we can't turn the lights on, right? And so what did we experience? We experienced tremendous giving to those things, tremendous. I couldn't believe how much giving we got. Made me want to have a special thing to give to every week, right? But we experienced tremendous giving that, but our regular church budget didn't suffer. The normal giving kept on going as people would give above and beyond to a special project. Now, I love the hearts of the Macedonian people. They didn't plead poverty to avoid participating. In faith, they pled with the apostle to participate in this ministry, in this service to God and the people of God. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, well, first off, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, we are very, very excited that you're here. And when it comes to participating, if you're a Christian, when it comes to participating in ministry, in service, let me ask you, what is your attitude? Just a soul check. Is your attitude, Ugh, I have to. You know, some people say to me, I'll say, oh, maybe I'll see you Sunday. Yeah, I have to come, I'm serving. Don't tell the pastor that. Tell anybody but the pastor that. <laughs> do you have to or do you have to? Do you say, yeah, I need to. Everybody's got to you know, give their fair share and pull their own weight. Yeah, I need to. Or is your heart racing when it comes to serving the Lord? And do you say, I need to. I need to. You say, yeah, yeah, I really want to, but, you know, eh. or is it, man, I really want to. I want to do this. I'm going to do this. Don't you realize that when it comes to serving the Lord, we get to. And we need to say to ourselves that being used of the Lord, serving the Lord is a privilege. An interesting way they look at it here. This is really interesting. Here he says that it was more than a grace through them to the Jerusalem church. Now we think, okay, God has money. He gives it to these people. They give over and above. They're you know, making sure that the normal expenses of the church are being paid for. And then they're going over and above, and God's moving the grace through them. But look at what they say. They consider the grace was given to them in that the Lord 
provided for them to help. They saw just having finances and being able to help, so they would write the check down and they say, Lord, thank you so much for me being able to help these people. Thank you for providing for me that I could take place in what you're doing in the world. What are they experiencing? Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Thank you for listening to Change by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire here at Changed by Love is simply to bring you the life-changing message of Jesus Christ by teaching you the Bible in a simple, easy-to-follow way. With that being said, we try to put our messages into as many people's hands as possible for a very low cost and often free of charge to anyone who contacts us. Did you know that all of our messages can be found for free on our website? changedbyloveradio.com That's changedbyloveradio.com Please check out our website and hit the Contact Us button to tell us something about yourself or to request a CD copy of a message. Here at Changed by Love, we depend on the grace of God as well as the generosity and prayers of our loyal listeners. So thank you to all of you who are prayerfully and financially supporting our program. We would love to hear from you and pray that you drop us a card or a letter to Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey. And don't forget to contact our friends at this radio station and tell them you are being blessed by Changed by Love. It would be a great encouragement to them. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope you'll make plans to join us again next time, right here on this station, for more practical Bible teaching through God's Word with Pastor Jim Kevney, passionately proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that needs to hear.